0: Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I hope everyone's okay. We're going to be talking about the women's game today as well as answering a few of your questions and talking about a few other bits and bobs. Uh, I'm joined as always by Ruth. How are you doing, Ruth?
1: Good, good. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you very much. I'm glad we're uh, we're being a bit more regular these days, which uh, makes a nice change. (laughs) Uh, obvi- <laughs> having said the, ha- doctor,
1: said the doctor to his patient,
0: <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> regular as clock, clockwork for me. Um, I always say cockwork. I don't know how that would work. Anyway, we're off to a we're off to a good start already. Uh, how are you doing? You've been travelling around, haven't you? Been, tra-
1: been travelling a bit, exploring a bit, and then um, we're back at the back at one of our volunteering posts that we enjoyed last winter. So we're back here now. Um, it's a it's a research centre. So imagine kind of like 007 and Q and, and all the laboratories, except it's for fish.
0: What I will say is that I appreciate the listeners can't see this. Ruth is making this seem like it's a very uh, glamorous modern place, um, but we have obviously been recording in this place before. And since the last time that Ruth was here, probably I'm going to say six months ago.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah.
0: Yeah. There is a same. There is the same table which is obviously placed upside down on another table behind you and hasn't been moved for six months i'm going to be honest with you it does not scream 007 <laughs> and Q branch to me if i'm honest
1: like i said it's 007 for fish
0: it's, 007 <laughs> so it's not, for it's, fish.
1: not high, it's not really high tech it's just a very nice place to be we enjoy it here
0: well I'm glad I've missed the upturned table in the background <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's very nice um, so we are going to talk today about a variety of things the main focus is going to be the game against France uh, the women's team lost two 0 out in Gingamp I think that's how you say it um, an interesting game I thought Ruth um, before we kind of get into the specifics I just wanted your kind of general thoughts on the on the match as a whole
1: I think interesting is a good is a good word um i mean clearly this is exactly the sort of competition we want to face we want to be in in games with this level of opposition um and to be holding our own obviously we'll tease out the specifics of that a a bit more um i was impressed with the crowd in fairness i thought that was a a good turnout. Uh, a small, relatively small place in Brittany. I think I, I think the the French had obviously sort of honed in on on where would uh, where would make a good location for them. And I, I don't blame them for that. But I, uh, I thought that was uh, just well set up in that sense. I think, as we said in the last podcast, they're at an interesting place developmentally as they kind of switch yeah. away from some of their older players to some of their should we say less known players although clearly very good players um so I think all in all I think the important thing it was it for us it was a test against clearly the best team in the group and there are definitely some positives to take there are some red flags things for us as well um but you know in the in the past we might have approached that game as a damage limitation exercise and i think there was a little bit of that going on but certainly not to the extent that it that it has done in the past
0: yeah um i would agree with pretty much everything you've said there especially the red flags thing at the end i I think that's something i do definitely want to get into um i just wanted to mention something about the crowd actually it's funny you should say that because after the match i sent a few messages to gwen on harris and Mainly, I don't know if this—if you've—I'm sure you did see this, Ruth. But um, after Jess Fishlock hit the post, you could de- you hear a notable scream and shout uh, in the background afterwards. So I did text gone on to say, "Like, well done for for channeling your uh, your, your inner Malcolm Allen," which um, which was enjoyable. Um, she said that she actually found the crowd. I don't want to I'd put words in her mouth. I don't want to say disappointed because I'm pretty sure that's not exactly what she said, but more different. She said that usually when they've played France in the past, when she was playing, that the crowd was like so loud that on the pitch you couldn't hear yourself think. So she said it was actually noted it was actually quite a different crowd to what they were used to um, or what she had been used to when she was playing, which I found really, really interesting. In that I do think that's... One,
1: Interesting. I think I think I was talking more about the numbers and the crowd attendance. I think she's right in that I don't think they gave a lot of energy to the yeah. French players, um, and I suspect that's what Gwena was focusing on. Um, and I, there were times even you could you could hear our small segment of the crowd even coming through on the effects mics. Um, no, I was thinking more in just in terms of you know sort of taking taking the game to a corner of France.
0: Perhaps. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs>
1: from a footballing point of view and I was I was pleased that the French had done that but I think Gwenan's right I think it was a somewhat passive crowd uh, but I think the game the game affected that as well didn't it
0: yeah to an extent I I just again like, we'll tease this out in a bit but I, I think it from a French perspective I I just thought they were outstanding um you know we've talked before about a kind of complete performance that Wales have given and, and I thought that they were as close to a complete performance as, as you could give against us as well they kind of contained us so masterfully for the majority of the game they look lethal I think the only thing that didn't happen was the they didn't really take the chances or, or as many chances as they created really to kind of put the game to bed earlier than it was Um I mean looking at that obviously the first half I mean, they were they were so on top. I think the the halftime stats was something in the region of 70-30 in terms of possession. I would just say it's frustrating at the time to concede that goal at the time that it was. But with that said, I think the amount of pressure that the Welsh defence and midfield, really, the whole team were under, it was kind of only a matter of time before it happened. However, I do feel like that actual exact timing of it was was quite a shame given how well we'd kind of held on until that point
1: i agree I mean i don't i don't think going in at, at uh, one nil down was an inappropriate reflection of the first half yeah i think the French deserved the lead i think the frustration is that you get what was it 90 seconds into into injury time or or there <laughs> And the timing of that, because it's um, because you, you you know you feel like you should have got to half time with a nil with a nil nil. But um, if it if they'd scored that goal at 25 minutes, it you know we would you would you just wouldn't feel doesn't have the same sort of visceral feeling about it, does
0: it? Yeah, the timing of it was definitely a, a factor in that. And you know, looking at the first half performance in general, yes, we were under the cosh we did have some moments though some kind of half chances uh, came and went to an extent there I just yeah I I wonder if there might be a few regrets looking back at that given the timing of it all
1: oh I think the timing is a frustration definitely I mean we weren't as you say we weren't completely without chances I mean the first chance of the game was that sort of low cross from Fishlock within what about 15 seconds of the of the whistle and the the Later on, there was a there was a couple of corners and but you know nothing. We didn't really make anything. But equally, I think I argue that the French didn't make a great deal. It's not as Laura O'Sullivan was kind of peppered peppered with shots and being forced to make saves. There were there were a few couple of chances. Definitely, the the French perhaps should have done um, better. Uh, there was a couple. There was a header wide. Um, I think from Diane about halfway through. Through that half, um, there was some there was some great runs down the right hand side, in particular. Although Esther Morgan managed to block a lot of crosses as well, um, so I don't feel as though the French were, you know, they should have come out of it with a five 0 in that first half. Yeah. But they they were clearly the better team. They were making the better chances, and I think one, like I said, I think one nil was reflective of the game.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I I think as the game kind of progressed into the second half then, I think we came out a a lot better second half. I thought we were, I would say, more proactive in terms of going after the game. We kind of had to be that way, I I suppose. Um, I just felt like we missed something. Like every time someone made a run too early or the ball was a bit too overhit or, you know, it was a bit too fast to be played or a bit too slow to be played we were kind of missing something in in every kind of attacking move that we had which i felt was was disappointment um we obviously like i say did come into the game more in the second half um we started to to have more of the ball kind of be a bit more creative i thought um but obviously the game changed when kaylee green gets her her second yellow card i don't think i mean i I, I don't want to speak for you but I, i think we can't really argue with the decision it was a, it was a definite it was a definite red card well a definite second yellow at least um i mean my big question there is what do you think needs to change for her is it a mentality thing or is it a situational thing where she's kind of perhaps not had too much of the ball and that's kind of got to her in, if you like and kind of behaved in a, in a reckless i suppose is the right word
1: yeah i mean i was actually really quite frustrated by that that from Kaylee Green because I think um, the second challenge was basically a repeat of the first challenge. She knew what the referee's um, criteria were, what her sort of threshold was um, and I think particularly given this is her second yellow, yellow, red of the of the qualifier, I, I couldn't help but be frustrated. And I think, actually, I think after the game in their interviews, um, both Granger and Fishlock were very careful about what they said, but I think you could read that there was some frustration there from the two of them as well. Um, I... Obviously, don't want Kaylee Green to change her game. I, I think the combative nature of her game is very important. I think she brings that sort of, de- you know, her history, obviously, as a defensive player, she brings that sort of de- defensive nuance to her play. Um, but she is stepping over the line too often. Um, I actually had a quick look at because it started to remind me of discussions we've had about Keep for more and yeah. you know how the fact that he kind of only has to and he has to walk on the pitch and get a yellow card. And what's interesting is in his, so he's up to, I think it's 24 appearances for Wales. obviously a few of them are a substitute, but 24 appearances and he's, he's garnered 10 yellow cards in those games, but he's never had a second one.
0: That's interesting.
1: And I'm thinking, OK, here's someone who knows he has this pretensity, but it's obviously being careful enough that he's not going to pick up. Well, hasn't as yet, fingers crossed, picked up picked up two in the same game. I'm tempting fate here, aren't I? You
0: are. Um,
1: but but it's, it shows that you can be combative in the way that more is gain yellow cards but still temper what you're doing and make sure it doesn't happen a second ca- time and, and Green has to learn those same lessons I think
0: I agree I, I think from my angle I think I, 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 she's one of those people who and I'm not just digging for the sake of digging I, I don't think she played very well as a general rule in that game anyway. I think things tended to bounce off her a little bit. And yes, a lot of the time she's kind of feeding on scraps, but that's your job as a centre forward, right? You know, we, we, we talk about Kiefer Moore. One of Kiefer Moore's biggest assets for us is that thing where he does seem to hold the ball, or when he does flick the ball on, it's purposeful. And I think Kaylee Green couldn't do that against the French and I think that the frustration in that came out with her I felt similarly actually in the Slovenia game where things kind of tended to I don't think she played I know she scored the goal but I don't think she had that good a game against the Slovenians in the sense that she didn't hold the ball up that that proactively when we needed her to so I think there's that frustration side of things is a two-way street there I think that's her frustration getting out the better of her with all that said you just cannot in international football, when we know, having watched these games, how pernickety some of the referees are, I mean, I will say, in the women's game, the women's referees tend to let things go a lot more. But those are two cast-iron-nailed-on yellow cards. They're late. It's, it's a bit lungy, the second one. It's reckless. The thing that annoyed me most about it, though, if I'm honest, similar again to the to Slovenia one, I can understand her frustration, and if she's been niggling with someone or tussling with someone, and she's kind of lashed out, you can say, well, you you shouldn't do that, but someone's riled you there, someone's wound you up, someone's got in your head. They're two stupid tackles on the touchline, on the halfway line. They're nowhere near anything. Like, you know, as positive as I wanna be about parts of this performance, that's totally unacceptable for me. And if it's a one-off, you can say, oh, well, these happened four yellow cards in three games is not good enough. And we we talked about the kind of margins, and I mentioned before, like we were missing something. That also, you know, can can bleed into other parts of your performance. And we've mentioned before, you know, Laura O'Sullivan, for example, making that mistake against Northern Ireland. That's not the reason we didn't qualify, but it didn't help. Equally, this won't be the reason we don't qualify, but it won't help. She now misses another key game coming up. It's all just unnecessary and at a point you've got to do better if you want to play international football you've got to do better if you want to qualify for a tournament it's as simple as that for me
1: I think what you were saying about the positioning on the field is important as well because that um, that added to my frustration the sort of needlessness of both of those fouls um, I think added to my frustration at, at the eventual outcome in this I think you're right I think she was playing frustrated in that sense and she was clearly getting knocked about around knocked about a little herself you know there are a couple of times when she um, got ankle scrapes or twists or whatever from 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 heavy challenges um, and you could see her I think from the first yellow card sort of remonstrating with the with the ref that she'd be not receiving end of something similar and the the uh, French player hadn't been penalised but you you just you can put that down to okay this one you've just got to accept you just don't do it again um, and I, you know we've got we've had the, the two most crucial away games against the team that are almost certainly going to win the group and the team that are vying with us for second place we've played them both the one way we've been in both games late and We've been playing with ten players for the last twenty minutes in both of those games, and we just should not get ourselves in those positions. And when it's the same player that's responsible for it both times, you've got to ask you've got to ask questions of the player at that point.
0: I agree, and I mean you're talking about you know the French getting away with things as well. The French only got one yellow card we only got two and both of them were Kaylee Green so that you know we can say what we want there about the ref if we want to kind of look for excuses in inverted commas but the ref was actually quite bad I thought the ref had an excellent game I think she Mm -hmm. she made that one ridiculous decision on Carrie Jones I think it was who was she? the liner knew she wasn't offside but the ref gave offside anyway and she was like five yards onside I, you know, I don't want to focus on that because that was a ridiculous decision. But I thought the ref did actually have a very good game. Other than that, I thought I thought she let the game flow when it needed to. She didn't book people unnecessarily, but Kaylee Green kind of gave her no option in in that circumstance. So I do think that's worth mentioning as well. Um, I mean, looking and she thought
1: she thought that referee now thought long and hard about that second yellow. She knew she was going to be sending the player off. But she stuck to her guns and she remained consistent on what she gave a yellow card for. But she thought about that. And I'm, I, I'm glad she did. I'm glad she just didn't rush in and, you know, jump in with the card. She thought about the consequences of it, but she made the right decision. It was a second yellow.
0: You're absolutely right. I was going to mention that. I totally forgot. Because when it happens, Kaylee Green kind of goes and gives her the double hands sort of thing. Like, it's okay. I didn't really accept you. Everything's fine. Um, And the ref, like you say, walked over, only had a whistle in her hand. And she went to her pocket, and actually, you're right, she actually took her hands out of her pockets at one point and ca- carries on walking, and then only when she kind of assesses things, she gave herself an extra five seconds there, and she was like, I've, I've just got no choice, even to the point where she gave her a yellow. I don't actually think she fully, she got the yellow out of her pocket and even like had a third think, if you like. Because if you look at it again, she goes to show the yellow, she gets the yellow out of her pocket and like thinks before she shows it, because she knows as soon as she's done that, She's straight on with the red as well. Yeah, I thought the ref had a a very good game. Oddly, since after that moment, I thought we actually started to play almost even better there because obviously we were aware of the situation. Um, It's easy to say... I'm going to make this point afterwards, actually. I'll come back to that. Let's just focus on what I was going to say first. Um, The the chances did start to come our way. Uh, Gemma Evans' chance from a corner... This is one of the things I I got frustrated with personally. The ref's given a yell that has blown the whistle there. She's blown the whistle for the handball that Gemma Evans did. She didn't blow the whistle for the foul in inverted commas on the keeper, which I think Mm. I initially thought. I'm sorry. I I know she's a defender, but that point there, crucial point in the campaign, you're down to 10 players. The ball's bobbled over to you like that. You absolutely have to do better there. You, that's like to me to miscontrol that and let it bounce up against your arm you know that's that's not good enough because what happened there is she eventually got the shot off the defender hadn't realized what happened the defender g- saves that with her hand she makes like a goalkeeper save if you actually watch that back if that, if she doesn't do that and lets that we get a penalty they're down to 10 men all of a sudden we're in the ascendancy and it's a, it's a different game i d- you know it's again I'm, it's not her fault that we didn't win that game but that is, when I'm talking about missing something, it keeps happening in these sort of games where we have to do better when we get our chances. And that was a perfect opportunity. The ball's popped up to a bad control, off her hand, correct decision from the referee. And that could have cost us a point in that game, possibly even even three, given we were kind of in the ascendancy. Again, she has to do better for me.
1: I think this reflects a point that you made in the last podcast that we have to be able to score in these games that we're, imp- we're improving our play to the point where we're in games of this level but we're not scoring against teams of this level and but equally we can't rely on a lucky bounce to a defender to be the way that we score in these games either um, I don't want to, I'm, I'm with you, I don't want to sort of over egg the significance of that but when you've got such limited chances they become significant don't they uh and the uh, i think that i'm with you in that we just seem to lack something in each opportunity Um, i mean fishlock's volley that the the goalie made a very good save on is feels like the one should we say sort of correctly taken chance if that makes sense whereas everything else was a bit scrambled and messy and as you say was over hit or under hit or we were offside or we weren't you know all of those kind of problems. So I think it comes back to this idea of are we capable of taking chances but also making better chances making better quality chances. I think we we get sort of a little bit desperate almost a bit rushed Obviously part of that is the, the French were harrying us and they were, they were cutting down the space and they weren't giving us time and you know, you can't ignore the, the who we were playing but we made very little. Um, going back to what you were saying a couple of minutes ago, Dave, about the fact that we sort of came into the game a bit more after, after the sending off. I, I'm, I wonder whether that was actually kind of tactical anyway. Okay, we're going to see if we can keep this at 1-0 until we're 20 minutes to go, and and then we'll push forward, because if it ends up at, at that point, if it ends up at 2-0, it ends up at 2-0. But let's let's go for it in the last 20 minutes, and, and, and we didn't go for it in a gun ho way, but we definitely step-based the sort of mid-block pe- became a slightly higher up-the-field block. You know, there was there was things that we did differently in the last 20 minutes. And I wonder whether that was always the intention. We just ended up doing it with 10.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, probably. I think the maybe that's part of the problem, in my opinion, is maybe we are going into these games with this mindset. I think, you know, yes, you do have to be in the game at the end of it. But if you've spent so long chasing the ball, it's, you know, or not attacking it's very very difficult perhaps to turn the momentum. So I'm not sure Gemma Granger would have gone for that angle. I I obviously have no idea. Um you mentioned Jess Fishlock's volley. That was a great chance. Keeper made a great save. You know can't can't really complain there. I thought that was one of those that was in I was up then. Mm -hmm. Um, um, the, The moment at the end. I do think to an extent that 2 0 I don't want to say flattered them because they, the, they were the much better team. But I felt like 1-0 is, a, is almost a fair reflection of the battle that the game was. Whereas 2-0 makes it seem a bit more comfortable, perhaps, than it was. And it came in almost laughable circumstances, really, the, the way that that kind of unfolded. Great long ball in from Tash, little flick on from Sophie Ingle at the front post. And then Jess, uh, you know... Of all the people you would have want our two big chances to fall to, if you like. They both fell to the right person and uh, just couldn't quite work it. And great strike against the post. Keeper, absolutely no chance. Obviously, just, you know, ever so slightly unfortunate with the angle. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what a break from uh, the French. Great finish. I I don't want to talk too much about that. I mean, it's one of those, it's, you know... Uh, I mean it's just a great goal I don't think you can kind of say much more than that the one thing I wanted to mention there it was Jess Fishlock I just thought she was outstanding and people talk about her work rate and, and her energy and, and closing down and all that and yeah that was great and I don't wish to belittle that but that's sort of what we expect from Jess Fishlock that's who Jess Fishlock is I just thought everything around what she did as well was just fantastic her passing I thought was on point she was in the right place at the right time she was breaking forward breaking lines Um, she was just everywhere on that pitch with and without the ball always geeing people up always having a go at people always talking to people she is just such a leader for us and uh, you know it's easier as I say to talk about the work rate but I just thought her performance overall with the ball as well given how little we had the ball I just thought she was superb
1: she had a great game um, and I, I know there's been some some talk about you know the fact that she she got the MVP over here in the uh, in the women's league, but it's that it's those styles of performances that have earned her yeah. the MVP award. Um, she she's been playing like that over here for months now, and I think you you can hang a game on her if that makes sense. You you can leave her with the the responsibility there, know that James and Ingle are behind her and just let her get on with it. And I think she she just reads the game so well. Yeah, and I that's think really her energy and you you know, you just like that close up after she hits the post. I mean that just says everything about yeah. about Jess and how she approaches the game. And um I don't know where we'd be without her actually I think I think she is far more vital than perhaps we we give her credit for um, and I think her in front of James and Ingle give them a confidence as well uh, I mean it's a hell of a trio when you think about its not it, isn't it? I mean, it's a say world yeah. class midfielder um, and so you've got I think I think we
0: just have to you know, just try and keep it going. Yeah, <laughs>
1: keep her going. <laughs>
0: I've I've seen on Instagram she's on her holidays, so on the off chance that you're listening to this on your holidays, Jess, please give us, you know, maybe one more World Cup qualifying campaign would be uh, would be would be super helpful. Um I'm I'm gonna say something, Ruth um slightly controversial, I think. And I'm almost certainly going to word this badly. So I want everyone to bear that in mind uh, as I say these things. I was thinking about, obviously, what to say today and and how I felt the the morning after the match. Uh, Ever so slightly clouded, I'd imagine, that Newcastle had just thrown away a 1-0 lead with 10 men uh, against Norwich in the 83rd minute, the bastards. Um, But... I think we may be at a point here where I think we need to reevaluate as a fan base as Welsh football fans as as media almost not and I don't include us in the media as how we discuss and talk about these games because the the, the sound bites if you like afterwards on social media and whatever were fantastic performance, so proud of these guys, amazing, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I think we're doing them a disservice and almost, I don't want to say patronizing, because for someone like me to say something like that about the way that women's football is digested, I think is probably wrong. But I I feel a little bit that way because it wasn't an amazing performance. It wasn't fantastic. They tried really hard against a really good team. That's what I expect from a football team, right? I, I. That's what I expect, whether they're men, women, under 12s in school, I expect them to try really, really hard. But there are fundamental issues there in certain respects, and I know Gemma Green just done a great job so far, where there are things that we're not doing well enough and that we, that we for all we need to praise the work rate and everything else, we need to mention this stuff as well because... I think it's not fair if we don't, because for every time we then get a great win, when we've said our oh, fantastic performance, well, we've also said that when you lost 2-0 to France, so is it a fantastic performance? Because by devaluing the victories, um, by over-egging the defeat, sorry, we were maybe I feel like we're maybe devaluing the victories to an extent. Because for me, in that game, there were things that were great, and as I say, there work great we created some really good chances against a fantastic French team and I, I don't what I'm about to say doesn't diminish any of those things but we cannot 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 keep going into these games scraping through and hoping for the best and need another result for us because at the end of the day to qualify for a World Cup is really really hard because even if we get through this and okay the point that we may have got from this game may not matter in our group we'll almost you know we'll probably come second if we kind of continue in this vein but it does matter in the context of how the playoffs then work because long story short we get ranked on all of the games that we play even including the playoffs and the third best doesn't make the World Cup automatically even if you win the playoffs so that one point that we've dropped uh, against France perhaps really matters equally those two points that we could have extra points we could have picked up against Slovenia they matter because they will have a knock-on effect further down the line what I'm, what I'm saying is there's some stuff that I think we need to praise the players and the team for and they deserve it and their work rate and their energy and how they kept going in difficult circumstances the last 20 minutes of that match for example I think deserve huge credit because I thought the, the girls were, were fantastic but there's the 70 minutes before that where if we, we've got to be honest as well I don't I don't actually think we played that well yes the French pressed us and yes we didn't deal with that well and that's a sign of them being a good team but we need to use the ball better there were simple passes going awry. There's 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 games the decisions that are happening in matches that are different depending on who the opposition is, and that's not good enough. And I know I'm sounding harsh, but I think if we want to qualify for a World Cup and that is our well, a tournament, that's our stated aim without question, then everything has to be good all the time. And I I don't like the plucky underdog type tag because we're not that anymore. You've just mentioned there. We've got a world-class midfield there in Fishlock, uh, Ingle and James. We've got some fantastic experienced players around that. This is the time the squad should get there. This is the time the squad should be taking a game to France. This is the time when, you know, Jess Fishlock herself said after the match, she was really disappointed and frustrated in that. And that's good. But at a point, that needs to become something. And if it isn't, we will always struggle to get to that World Cup. Always struggle to get to that European Championships because you do need to get results against these teams, and you do need to make sure that your passing is good enough all the time that you don't slip up in the nine, in the in the forty sixth minute. I'm waffling now, so I'll stop. But I, I I I do think we've got to be careful about how we talk about this team as well because it's it's really really important that we. That, we treat them the same way as that we treat the men. And if, if Kaylee Green was keeper more, we'd be giving him dogs abuse probably. And I'm not suggesting we give Kaylee Green dogs abuse, but I think we've got to be critical of that. I think we've got to be critical of the moments in the match where we conceded goals and concede critical of the moments in the match where we didn't keep the ball well enough. And I think those are two really fair, genuine comments to make. And I think it's we've got to be really careful, I think, that we don't, and I'm using the word patronise, Some of the performances by telling, by saying they're excellent and amazing and whatever, when there are real things that we need to improve on. And if we don't, we're not going to get to a tournament. And that is the end of my little rant.
1: I think we're on a journey. And I don't think it's a vastly different journey than we've been, the road we've been walking with the men's team, actually. And I think we're reaching a point now where we're on the cusp of qualifying for tournaments but it is a big hurdle and you can't keep doing what we have been doing because that's clearly not been enough we the the level of performances have to step up and there has to be a consistency of performance against this quality of teams because this is this is what you This is where you need to be getting a point away from home and maybe a draw at home. It's this quality of team that you need to be able to to get that from. You know, we've seen sort of historically how the men have taken points off the likes of Belgium and that's been what's got them qualified. And the women are getting to the point now where they've got to take points off the likes of France because that's what will get them qualified. And I don't think it is... I I think it's a reflection of the fact that things are improving, but by things improving, expectations improve. And if you're going to gain a place in a tournament, we've got to be doing something better than we've been doing because we haven't gained a place in a tournament. And, And the better has to be performances against this level of team. And I'm with you. I think there are aspects of the of the game that went well. I thought the fact that that O'Sullivan wasn't peppered with, with shots and having to make saves. I mean, I went into that game quite worried that our defense kind of hadn't faced a great deal in the, in the earlier games. And were we, were we gonna be caught out more from a sort of patterning that we'd been able to cope by doing A and B but actually we needed to be doing X and Y against this level of opposition and there were aspects of that but perhaps not to the extent I was expecting I think the the bigger questions actually are at the other end of the field are, which perhaps isn't expecting that they remain how are we going to get offensive chances against yeah nations of this quality and take them and I think that's where perhaps we we need to focus, and I'm not sure I was anticipating
0: that. No, I, I agree with you. And to be fair, I totally understand that we're on a journey. I recognize that. I am, and I'm not critical of that. I, I think you're absolutely right. We're at the point where we – where we, I don't want to say we're at a now or never stage, but we're not far off it. We're very, very close to it. And I think we need to remember that. And, you know, I guess my ultimate point here is I am. I think what this team and this group of people have done – for women's football in Wales is I would say actually immeasurable what they've done off the field, and what they've done on the field is and I've said I'm not going to use those words amazing and fantastic, but it is amazing and fantastic because they have made a difference and changed things right, but at a point it needs to become something because what will happen, and i you know I don't want to be the harbinger of doom, but that what will happen is that that your fishlocks or tash Hardings or whoever. Slip with age and retire and move on, and and uh, Helen Ward the same. And w- what's next? Who's next? Then you have to start again at you know three or four rungs back down the ladder and get back going again. I want this team to do this and qualify for a tournament, probably more than any other <laughs> tournament, any other team I've ever wanted anything for, because they they appear to be and the people we've spoken to are fantastic human beings. But from a football perspective and I understand all the context around it, there's some stuff we've got to be better at. And and for me, keeping the ball is the thing that we've got to be better at in this game because the more you have the ball, the more you can play these triangles. Eventually, teams do sit off you. They realise that they can't press you and that gives you more licence to grow into the game. The French realised they could press very high, pick us off quite easily. Yes, we ended up with a couple of half chances, but I think that, is one of our big issues and that, that's a mental hurdle whatever that is because that leads to getting more goal scoring opportunities whatever that thing is is that is the thing we've got to do something about in my opinion
1: I think the one element I, I might take umbrance with what you said Dave was was the notion of a squad I do think we're really developing squad depth in the, in the women's game that I, the like of which I've never seen and I think when you know, when you consider that, you know, you had 19-year-old Esther Morgan. Yes, she was found out a few times, but generally speaking, she played well. We didn't have Rachel Rowe, we didn't have Kerry Holland. Um, Hannah Kane is injured. We, you know, you, you think about what's what's sort of percolating around that starting starting eleven. I think that is one of the positive aspects of this. Um, Clearly, you know, we haven't got a ready replacement for someone of the like of fishlock. But I th- I do think we're in a better position to weather the hurdles that come with a long qualifying campaign. And this is a particularly elongated qualifying campaign, this one, uh, that, that come with... You know, dips in form or injuries, you know, all of that sort of suspensions, all of that sort of thing. I do think I do think we're in a better position
0: to weather that. We we definitely are in a better position. I I, I don't argue that. I'm saying that we could be in a position in a couple of years where where we lose Fishlock and Ingle, let's say. Those are two huge players to replace, and you know I, I don't think that's a bigger step for someone and this team uh, to be able to step into those shoes is what I'm saying. And I think that, you know, yes, there's obviously going to be some sort of bedding in period as the as the, as the the guard changes. But I think we are at a point now where we are quite on the limit of what this team is at uh, in, in terms of its age and experience and everything else. I think we are at a now or never situation. Um, and I think we need to praise the things that are good but also be, be wary and critical of the things that are bad because we would do that with the men's teams as well so I think it's only fair we do it with the women's teams I, I guess is is ultimately my point whilst I'm, I, I'm happy to move on here rather, so I don't repeat myself which I know is something I'm very capable of doing on a regular basis um, is there anything else you want to add there
1: I just wanted to mention the Slovenia draw against Greece I think yeah. you know we, we can't pretend that isn't a good result for us in terms of finishing second in the group but as you were saying before, getting points against France ultimately and building your points total within the context of the playoffs is actually more important than creeping ahead of sleep. Well, you've got to creep, creep ahead of sleep in first, obviously. But you know what I mean, that you, yeah. you can't just view it solely as us versus Slovenia and then all will be well. Um, there's, such a convoluted nature to, to this playoffs that every point is going
0: to be vital going forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And just to add to that point before I do congratulate the Greeks on doing us a favour, um, that I looked at the playoff picture and it is obviously halfway through a campaign and other teams have played more games than us. We've played the bottom teams, so we've lost six points net in the, way, the weird way the table works. We are, out of the nine runners-up, we are ninth place in the current table. So, in in terms of we could vet quite conceivably get through and win our playoff final and we would almost certainly be the the ninth the the third of the three ranked teams meaning we'd have to go into this ridiculous intercontinental thing which I I don't think my heart can deal with that. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, I don't even want to think about the this the, the complex. I mean, you're you're the physics you're the physics teacher here, Ruth. I mean you, I mean you'd need to you need a selection of diagrams to uh, to be able to explain that. So I really hope that doesn't happen. But yeah, I, 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 you're right. I mean, we can't downplay that. It was a fantastic result, and 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 you know the Greeks have done us a favour there. Um, I think it does really hammer home the point that when Slovenia come to town after this long break, now we need to make sure that we're beating them. I think this is so in our hands. It's it's tantalising, um, but it's it's got to come to something. Um, so yes, thank you to the Greeks for, for doing us a favour, but <laughs> we've got to we've got to take advantage and, and press that home. Um, to discuss people who are pressing home their advantage, uh, Sophie Ingle did that exceptionally on the weekend in the Women's FA Cup final. Uh, Chelsea played Arsenal Chelsea ran out 3-0 winners and Sophie Ingle is amassing quite the trophy collection isn't she
1: (laughs) she is congratulations to her absolutely Um, you know
0: the
1: the score is reflective of the game Uh, they're, they're clearly the two best teams at the minute but Chelsea have just there's something about them that's just knitting so well at the minute
0: I agree, I thought, uh, I didn't watch the game, I'll be honest, I've seen the highlights, but uh, just a fantastic performance, very clinical, um, I think that Chelsea team are a great team to watch from what I have seen of them yeah. this season, um, and Sophie is a, is a key part of that, as I say, I mean, I wonder if we might be at a point we have just crediting Jess Fishlock there for being the MVP and being world class, I wonder if we're at a point where Sophie Ingle's versatility and quality with the ball is, is actually making her probably our most important player at the moment
1: i think her versatility is key i think i think there's always a case as well actually that your captain is your most important player and i don't necessarily mean best player i mean important in terms of what what she brings to team as a whole yeah um and i but i think you're right i think the fact that you can play from anywhere from you could probably play from sweeper to number 10 and everything if you really needed to yeah um I, I mean i think I think she's actually in the perfect position at the minute i I think the partnership with with James is uh, you know that has real potential for us, but no just just going back to the FA Cup, just congratulations to her.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Congratulations to Sophie, and I don't know if you could hear that in the background there, but Sheer the dog was barking his approval. <laughs> uh, so he is obviously congratulating Sophie Ingle as well. Yeah, just so you have got,
1: t- got a Chelsea fan on the quiet there,
0: have you? I was going to say I'm just I, I'll, I'll have to have a strong word with him after after this podcast uh, and uh, remind him where his bread is buttered. Uh, it's probably just the mention of Sophie Ingle's name got him excited and riled, uh, <laughs> having having watched the match together uh, against France last week. Um, I do want to touch on a few things. We said we were going to see how we go and see if we answered many other people's questions. As usual, Ruth, we've gone on and on. Um, so we'll move on to our uh, our final kind of proper point uh, before I go to a question. Um, we've found out pretty much the day after the we recorded, classic timing, that the losers of the playoff finals, uh, semi-finals, sorry, will play each other in a losers final Um, El El Deprestico as someone uh, on Twitter coined uh, which I really (laughs) quite liked Um, I feel like of all UEFA and FIFA's ideas this is the stupidest I've ever heard someone who I was interacting with I've forgotten who apologies suggested that why don't we just pick names out of a hat uh, if we have to play that game we should everyone who wants to play should turn up at the stadium that night with a pair of boots and a pair of shin pads and we all agree on which uh, which kit we're going to wear. And if you're one of the first 11 people out with a hat, uh, you get to start. And if you're one of the next 11 people, you're on the bench. And if you pull out a golden ticket, uh, you can be the manager for the day. Um, it, it just strikes me as just such a... Why would anyone do that just in the world of covid the traveling—it's yeah. in the toward the end of a season. Why does anyone need that? I get—I'm sure there's some logistical reason which someone with more brains than me can can explain. But it strikes me as absolutely ludicrous that that is on the cards.
1: Well, the, i mean the even the normal argument of you of playing as many games in a window because. You need to even it out within your qualifying group. And if one team's got three games and another's got two, that's an unfair advantage. Therefore, you pay a third friendly. That doesn't make any sense. Even that argument, which I think is woolly anyway, doesn't make any sense in this context. Um, So, and I I agree with you. I think at a time when we should be looking to restrict movement, if we can, and you know, not put people in sort of, more health jeopardy than you the whole thing is just chris i mean i'm sure that whatever teams are in that position it's going to be a b level friendly in the extreme yeah uh, that you know my, uh, yeah it's and that like who is even going to want to watch that
0: i mean i'm sure they will sell it's, it's I'm sure they will sell tickets as a double header so you buy ticket for one you get your ticket for both if we get there and you know but I mean if I'm honest with you if I I'll buy the double because I'm going to go to the semi-final but if I buy that and even if I was in Cardiff the final which I don't think I will be in no world am I going to that football match like I just even if I've spent my money on it I think I would just rather go to the pub uh, and you know, and have a nice sit down with a Guinness. Then I would, you know, go go and watch um, El Deprestico, which is uh, which is a fantastic uh, a fantastic name for that. Um, the one question I wanted to ask you that we have had in from a listener, Ruth, uh, is from Paul O'Brien. He is asking about Tom Lawrence, who's in fantastic form at the moment. If his form were to continue into March. Has he, despite all his travails, again? Shearer agrees. Has he um, kind of earned a space in our uh, in our playoff squad? Should this form continue? You're going to answer your question, and I'm just going to go move the dog.
1: <laughs> I think I think Shearer has answered that. I mean, if the current form were to continue until um, until March, then I think that I think he's undoubtedly made a made a case. For the squad, but I, I think there's, a, there's probably a few players that um, we'll, be, we'll be discussing, perhaps in the new year, looking at form. Um, you know, there's, there's the likes of Rabi Matondo that have sort of left the squad, but are, are knocking on the door. Uh, so yeah, I, th- I think right now, obviously, nothing has to nothing. Nothing is or will or has to be decided. So I, I, I think all that the players can do in the short term is is uh, keep playing well. Um, I think the situation at Derby uh, is interesting. I think it's in in an ironic way. I think it's kind of taken the pressure off the players there because they're I mean they're going down, so they can play <laughs> with that sort of free abandon that comes with with already being relegated. Ironically. Um, and so i think there's some context to his play at the minute as well but um but yeah I th- I'm, I'm sure perhaps come the new year we'll we'll be discussing who's on form who needs to pick their game up ahead of march who might be an unexpected inclusion that sort of thing
0: yeah i agree i i think the situation definitely helps in terms of a mentality thing i think i might still be in the in the grumpy old man category i just i, I don't think his actions have <laughs> helped him I suppose the flip side to that is to break from my uh, monotonous shell I, I do think that at a point I suppose we've got to be pragmatic about these things I, th- I think if we delved into the the lives of all of our you know all of the footballers that we admire I, I'm sure we'd find some fairly unsavoury things not as unsavoury as that of course but um I I I I'm I, I, personally I I still just he's not there for me. I think would need some sort of injury crisis and then I think okay maybe let's give him let's give him another go. I watched a bit of Derby QPR the other night, very entertaining game of football by the way, but I thought he did play really well. His movement was great. He scored a great goal. It was, it was a really nice finish. Um I just I just don't think I could support him. I and I and I know he would if he scored the winning goal in their playoff final. I wouldn't be sat there going, Ooh, I don't like him. Um <laughs> but with that said, I, I feel like I I've I've we need to have a higher bar and I think I've moaned about him for long enough. I can't change my mind now that he's starting to play well again. So I will stick to my guns. I think you're right. Obviously a lot can happen between now and March, but for me that was my battery just telling me it's soon to die. Um, for <laughs> me, I don't think, I don't think it's right still, and I'm and I'm maybe in the minority there still. But for me, I think it's it's uh it's 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 more than a football thing, uh in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I I I just can't I just can't change my mind on that. I'm sorry to say.
1: No, no, I think. You're sticking to your guns. That's that's what you
0: should do. Yeah, I know sheer stubbornness. Now, um, as I say, if he, if he scores, <laughs> if, he, if he comes through and scores the, scores the goal in the final, I'll get his. I'll get a framed picture for, put up uh, next to Hal robson carno here. Um, we'll we'll see. Um, I think Ruth, we were going to talk about other questions and a few other things, but I think we've we've gone on well enough. And I think with January and sparsity of topics to come up, I'm uh, I'm I'm happy to move on. Unless you've got anything else you want to to mention.
1: No, I think it's worth worth saying f- thanks to folks that have actually sent us some really interesting questions via Twitter and that we we have been saving them and we're we're almost certainly just going to do a sort of Q&A pod aren't we catching up on yeah. some of these these excellent questions.
0: Yeah, all of the questions kind of get saved and and uh, and noted down. I say all of them. Ruth Ruth writes them down because I'm useless. But um, yeah, we are coming back to them for sure. And I think that's something we'll revisit on a on a Q and A pod uh, further down the line. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 52 minutes of uh of us. I'm bet you're glad we're back on a regular basis now, aren't you? Um <laughs> I think our aim is to do one more next week Ruth before we have a, a Christmas break. I'm going back to the UK for that, so I unfortunately can't take our mini studio back in the car with us. Um the dog will likely chew it by the time we get there anyway. So um that's not a good idea. So yeah, we will do one more for you next week. Um, maybe yeah maybe we can answer some questions then as well so if you if you are a listener please do send your questions oh, ruth i had one more thing to add sorry before i finish which is i sent you a really funny voice note on oh yes Saturday night. hilarious <laughs> I, I do i do want to briefly share this story uh, a friend of mine who uh, is a newcastle fan as well went to the newcastle match against burnley on the weekend and went out in newcastle after the match and got chatting to some welsh guy who it turns out was also a Newcastle fan and is a Coleman had a dream listener Uh, Matt Evans I think uh, was the name who very drunkenly told us uh, apologies in advance for the language that our podcast was quote fucking phenomenal bat. Um, uh, which uh, I massively I massively enjoyed on my Saturday night so I forwarded that to Ruth and, and she was equally as grateful and as amused as I was for the uh, comments so uh, Matt Evans, thank you very much for that mate uh, we very much appreciate that and uh, please do get in touch with us uh, for more for more gems like that if you would so choose to do um, there you go, on that story we will finish, Ruth, thank you very much for your time
1: good as ever Um ah. Yeah, I think it's it's an interesting phase we're at with the women, isn't it? I think it's just, it's going to be an interesting interesting few months going going forward.
0: It is. I'm very much looking forward to games in uh, in April. Hope I'm hoping I'm going to get back home for one of them, but uh, we'll see what happens. Well, thank you very much for listening, ladies and gents. Please let us know what you think of the pod. If you do have any more questions, send them across to us. Uh, and we'll do do a pod very soon. Uh, as I say, we'll be back next week with our final podcast before our Christmas break. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.
1: Bye-bye.